When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. What's up, Kings fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. Cleared away by the Kings, picked up by Martinez. Martinez to Clifford, feeds it right side to Foley with a shot. Save, rebound, score! Alec Martinez has won the Stanley Cup for the Los Angeles Kings. And royalty reigns again in the NHL. Hey, what's up, Kings fans, and welcome to the Hockey Royalty Podcast, episode number 11. Hockey Royalty is the unofficial podcast of RinkRoyalty.com. I'm Scott Kimball. Before we get started, we just want to let you know that you can find us on Twitter at RinkRoyalty and also at Royalty underscore pod. We got a real interesting show lined up here for you today. We're going to be talking uh, some trade news, and we're also going to be previewing the Kings next series. Before we bring our guests in, though, we want to bring in our panel for tonight. First of all, Mr. Ryan Sykes. What's going on, Ryan? Hey, Scott. I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, pretty good. Getting ready for the big Vegas game tonight. Got to <laughs> yeah. have this one. That's yeah, a must. And, I don't want to call yeah. it a must win, but they have to yeah. get back on track. Well, we're getting there. That's We're starting to run out of runway in this season, so <laughs> yeah. definitely need this one tonight. And our other panelist for tonight is Mr. Russell Morgan. What's going on, Russ? Hey, what's going on, guys? Good to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Great to have you on. And I'm going to bring in our guest. So, as you may have heard, Saturday night, the LA Kings have acquired Brendan Lemieux from the New York Rangers for the Kings' fourth-round draft pick in this year's draft. 
many split opinions about this trade across the internet, some for, some against, and on both sides, of course. So to get a New York Rangers perspective, we want to bring in Mr. Drew Way from the website BlueShirtsBreakaway.com. Uh, Drew, how you doing? Thanks for coming on. I'm doing well. Thanks so much, guys, for, for having me and happy to be here. Absolutely. So uh, I want to let you know that I live in upstate New York, so I know plenty of Rangers fans around here, and I know plenty of Rangers news. So, it's a- uh, so um, <laughs> we're, we'll get into this immediately. What is upstate? Upstate. Okay, so I live about <laughs> almost exactly halfway between Syracuse and Albany. Okay, yeah, that's upstate. Yeah, so <laughs> pretty much for us up here, we consider upstate north of the Catskills. So <laughs> Yeah, I'm from south of the Catskills, but everyone from the city in Long Island tells me I'm from upstate, and it drives me nuts. Uh, the many geographic wars of new york state you gotta love it (laughs) so anyways let's uh let's dive right into the pool head first here uh what'd you think of the brendan lemieux trade well as a ranger fan i was pretty okay with it um i i saw a lot you said you know intro this saying that opinions were all over the place and i can see that it's probably a fair trade for both sides um to be honest, my first thoughts were, why do the Kings want Lemieux? And um, and as a Ranger fan, like Lemieux is, was probably on his way to being a healthy scratch for a while. Um, fourth line role, replacement level player, and we're bringing in more, you know, Vitaly Kratsov and other guys that are going to need roster spots. So someone had to get moved and he was deemed, you know, the easiest one to move. And plus, considering the fact that he's got one more year on his deal at about 1.5 million, he was like, uh, you know, and they wanted that a little extra cap space too. Sure. Makes sense. Um, And, you know, the return being a fourth round pick, it's, you know, that's, that's the return for a replacement level player. Like, it's not like I'm sitting here dancing in the streets, like, yeah, we got a, a fourth round pick for this guy. But at the same time, it's, you know, being able to shed that salary and we need the roster space. Um, you know, I, I thought it was perfectly fair. And, you know, people don't realize too, that you don't have to have a first round pick to get a good player in the draft. Mm-hmm. I mean, they come from all no, around. So, you well, know, any other especially this year. Yeah, this year. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I'm for Blue Shirts Breakaway. I do a lot of like prospect analysis and like a lot of analytics stuff. And this is a year, man, where, you know, the, it's, it's not a strong first round and, and it's all over the place and it's tough with, you know, COVID and how up in the air, especially the CHL has been. But one of the schools of thought is, you know, as, as these teams can't scout as heavily as they have in the past, at least in person, you know, it's possible that some of the you know more talented kids might fall to the third, fourth round. Um, and the Rangers have recently done pretty well in the later rounds. Like this last year, you know, a couple of their best kids like Brett Berard and um, and a few others, they got in the mid rounds that like, you know, me as a prospect nerd was thrilled with. So it's again, it, we're, we're flipping a guy that didn't really have a spot in the team anymore for another lottery ticket. I'm OK with that. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Ryan, I know you got a couple of questions lined up. Yeah, so Drew, just kind of a, a broad question. How would you describe Lemieux's game? Yeah, I mean, everyone knows he's an agitator, right? He's a fighter agitator. He's not like a plug, though. Like, he's not like the old, you know, fighters of the past who all he can do is fight and can barely skate or anything like that. Like, he can skate. He's, he's you know, got some skill to his game. He, he's got okay hands, um, but he's just... He's not what you'd hope for. Like he'll show these flashes of some finishing touch in front of the net and some flashes that make you think, okay, maybe he'll have a little bit of an offensive game, you know, coming, 
Um, and it's just, it's never there consistently enough. And he's not nearly good enough defensively to be able to consistently roll out there. Like you'd hope that in, in today's game, if you have like that agitator fighter type, you at least want him to play some defense and play on the penalty kill if he's playing in your fourth line, but he's atrocious defensively. And he's actually, um, it, it, the way he thinks the game defensively is like, just leaves you pulling your hair out at times. So, you know, the game against the Flyers the other night, uh, actually this day game on Saturday, the the game, the game, second goal that the Flyers scored to put them up 2-1 was because of a terrible line change from Lemieux that led to an odd man rush in the Flyers scoring. And it's like, that's not an uncommon occurrence. That's not just like a one-time, like small sample size thing. It's it's he does those things pretty often. Um but, you know, again, there's some upside there. He's not just a plug. You know, he can fight. He can agitate. His biggest skill is the ability to draw penalties. And, you know, if you're a team that has a good penalty, a good power play, like that's obviously a nice thing to have. Um, and like I said, he's okay in for the net. He can be that guy that can crash the net and, and put a puck in here or there. So I learned a little bit from his dad. A little bit. He, he's he's a very, very poor man's version of his dad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Drew, just kind of a, a, a two-parted question. You touched mm-hmm. on his defensive abilities, liabilities, whatever you want to call it. He recorded a minus 14 last year. Was that more due to his play, or was that due to the Rangers' um, five-on-five scoring or lack thereof? That's one question. And then the mm-hmm. other part of it is he had two goals and three assists on the power play last year. I guess, mm-hmm. do you see him having a role on maybe the second power play unit? Yeah. Okay. So first, uh, it, it's probably both is the answer to your first question. Like he, he's not defensively sound. He, he does not just show, he, he does not have good decision-making in his own zone. Too often is he caught just kind of floating out there and he loses his man. Um, that said, like you just pointed out, he plays the power play. And, you know, if, if you know a lot about the way plus minus works, you don't get credit in the plus minus category if your team scores when you're on, when you're on the power play. Um, and so guys that play a lot of power play, but not a lot of penalty kill will be unfairly um, dinged in the plus minus stat, which is why it's just, you know, typically just, you know, use a uh, goal differential. But that said, you know, there certainly had a lot of team effects last year. The Rangers were abhorrent defensively last year as a whole. Um so that definitely hurt him, but he also didn't do himself any favors in that regard. Um, in terms of playing the second power play unit, I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, he mainly played it because David Quinn just felt like they needed another net front presence on that second uh, second power play unit. They don't play the second power play unit a whole bunch. Uh, the Rangers are really go top heavy with their first power play unit. The first power play unit typically gets between like you know two thirds and three quarters of the run. Um, he can do it a pinch. He can do it here and there, but you, I'm sure, especially with the Kings and all the young talent you guys have there, I'm sure you can find other guys better suited for that role on the second power play unit. Well, he's had some time with Gabe Velarde, uh, our second line centerman uh, down at the Windsor Spitfires of the OHL in the 15, 16 mm-hmm. season. And I also know that he played a little bit with Leah Anderson. I think Russell, would you say 16 <laughs> minutes or something like that? Yeah, I think it was only like 19 minutes or so. Maybe they but got he, caught up on ice together. He <laughs> had some, to together. <laughs> yeah, he had uh, so at least uh, an average expected goals for percentage. Um, so I guess when I see that and see the ties, I'm wondering if the Kings are trying to connect the dots to get some chemistry there. But um, kind of a long-winded response to this, but I kind of dug into the numbers yesterday and mm-hmm. uh, I kind of envision his role personally as the next Kyle Clifford for the Kings. Um, he can hit. He doesn't have a, a terribly high shot percentage, obviously a fourth liner. 
Um, mm-hmm. I'll just read off the, the stats. I have the comparisons that I pulled up yesterday. Mm-hmm. yesterday. Age 25, Brendan Lemieux, seven points through 31 games, 59 uh, minutes and penalties, 61 hits, 6.5% shots, 10 mm-hmm. minutes, 13 seconds, average time on ice. Kyle Clifford at age 26 and 73 games, 12 points, 92 minutes and penalties, 146 hits, 4.9% shots, 1043 mm-hmm. on ice. So when yeah. I see that, I can kind of see him transitioning into that role this year and next. Yeah, that's totally reasonable. And again, like I said, like he he didn't really have a role on the Rangers anymore. And, and this was more of the Rangers just saying, like, we don't need you anymore, more than it's like, oh, he's terrible. Get out of here. Um he, he is a, he is an NHL player. Like I saw, I, I think you guys tweeted out earlier today that, that uh, Corey Promen's analysis where he gave the Kings a B plus. Yeah. I, I take a little bit of issue with him being like, well, he traded an NHL player for a fourth rounder. So clearly like that's a win. It's like, well, NHL players get traded all the time for fourth rounders. So I'm, yeah. I'm not quite on board with that methodology there, but it's to his point, he, he is an NHL player. He's not like an AHL guy that just the Rangers had playing up. He, he's a serviceable fourth line guy who, like I said, does have some finishing ability and he, he is an agitator. He, I think he led the Rangers last year in penalties drawn, which is pretty considerable given, you know, the role he plays and, and mm-hmm. how little time he gets. Um, that you can also get into a discussion about the way the NHL reps the game and why is you know Panarin drawing more penalties, for example. But that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It seems we kind of gotten away from ha- like it. It almost seems that we almost each team had one of those type of players on their team at, and playing at some position. And now we're always looking at kind of like every line needs to have production right now. So. We, the Steve Otts are kind of getting away from the world. But, I mean, you might not have a little bit of familiarity with uh, Sean Avery. That's kind of the type of player I see from Brendan Lemieux. <laughs> uh, you know, he's not his talent. So, uh, I'll be honest. Like, I, I can't stand Sean Avery. Like, I'm a Rangers fan and can't stand the guy. He's just – honestly, he's just – you can believe this. I'm allowed to say this, but he's a jackass. Like, the guy, like, in his free time in New York City, he's going around screwing with homeless people. Like, dude, but – Anyway, um, he's not as talented as Avery. Like Avery had some legitimate skill, but he, yeah, he is that kind of agitator. Um, and yeah, he, I, I can. See, where do you guys envision him? Like, is this the t- kind of player that you thought the Kings needed? Well, it's funny because I mean, when they made the trade, obviously there was like question marks because our bottom six is just filled with just roster players that there's mm-hmm. really no future on this team with the amount <laughs> of Kings prospects of, that we have that it's just, we're just trying to make room for these young players. So when yeah. they made a trade for Lemieux, it was just kind of like a question mark. But the more I thought about it, the Kings don't have any sort of player similar to Lemieux. Like he, when I looked it up right away, he leads the Kings in hits for the yeah. season now. All right. of a sudden. So, <laughs> what about a Dustin Brown though? Well, Dustin Brown, I mean, he's kind of, he's, he's 36 years old. He's not going to be throwing his yeah. body around as much. So he's kind of yeah. taking on the goal scoring more. Brown mm-hmm. now, so that's kind of Renaissance season. Yeah, football. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was interesting. To see, the but, theater. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I think I think it'll be beneficial for the Kings. Kind of, I mean, almost like the general Kings fan, almost too, to have mm-hmm. someone to be kind of cheering for, to have that kind of agitator. It's kind of going to rile up the team a little bit and see see what happens going forward. Yeah, and he's a bit of a polarizing player, Lemieux was, with Ranger fans. I mean, he's certainly that kind of agitator is is the kind of player that a lot of fans can get behind and sort of relate with almost. So, you know, hardworking, and you can kind of see yourself more in a Brendan Lemieux than you can in a – know in a Connor mcdavid right yeah, but um and so fans tend to root for guys like that but 
you know, him and Tony D'Angelo were also best friends. And so that created like another whole thing with Rangers Twitter and their relationship yeah. with Lemieux. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was the second member of Tony D'Angelo's podcast. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's, uh, and once you get that kind of polarization, it, it's kind of tends to spread to the locker room too, I, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like, I mean, I'm no like primary insider, right? Like as you guys know, when you do stuff like this for a while, you eventually get like random people that know things. It's like, Oh, I know a person with this billet family or like, you know, stuff like that. Um, but there were rumors that Lemieux wasn't thrilled with the way the Rangers, you know, treated his good friend afterwards. And I, I have no idea if there's, um, anything further than that, but there certainly were like, you know, Rick Carpinello, who who's a, a beat reporter for the athletic for the Rangers kind of mentioned that like he, he had heard, you know, rumors that Lemieux wasn't thrilled with the situation and, you know, you can kind of go from there. Right. Right. Yeah. And Drew, uh, again, we just want to thank you for coming on, but I just want to just kind of wrap mm-hmm. this up with, um, do you see his defensive liabilities being correctable? Um, yeah, yeah, certainly. It, 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 and it depends on the coach too. Like the Rangers have had t- this year, their defensive coaching has been way better. They brought in with uh, Jacques Martin from Pittsburgh and they've been much better defensively. And also having Adam Fox uh, back there, who is a better <laughs> Norris candidate, Drew Dowdy. Oh, yeah. out there right now. I don't know if you guys <laughs> oh, saw no, that crap right. on Twitter recently. But no, oh. Speaking of trades that went for draft picks, huh? Uh, yeah. yeah. You think I was would get back that second round draft pick now? Well, they probably wouldn't only because he wasn't signing with them. Like Carolina right. was in a spot and they had no choice. But I had Ranger fans back then tell me this was a bad trade. I'm like, you guys are crazy. Um, <laughs> but anyway, to the, the point is, yes, I think they're correctable. Um, the Rangers defensive scheming and system has been awful the last few years, especially with Lindy Ruff. And so you get him in the King system. If, if you feel your coach is good with kind of coaching guys up and making them more defensively responsible, I, I think it's certainly correctable. Now, he's he he's not a great backward skater. And he has some issues with, again, kind of almost like attention span kind of issues, it seems like, where he just gets lost in the play at times. But with more structure and and with, a you know, a coach that maybe emphasizes that stuff more, it certainly can. I don't think he'll ever be a positive defensive player, but he can be passable, which, you know, combined with everything else he does makes an effective fourth liner. Sure. Maybe the right chemistry and he could be passable on the fourth line. Um mm-hmm. Yes, I want to. It's off you now, but I wanted to get your thoughts on Adam Adam Fox, the goalie. His two <laughs> saves. He's, he's got the highest save percentage in the NHL right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Fox is incredible. I mean, I was again. I, I'm a prospect nerd, and, and I've been keeping track of Fox for years now. And back when he was on Calgary, when Calgary was being rumored that, like, you know, maybe he's not going to sign there, I was all over the Rangers need to go trade for this kid now, and. um I mean, I, I don't think you'll have many people that had higher expectations of Fox than I had, and he's even crushed my expectations. So, and, and you know, I'm I'm a sports card nerd, and I've been gobbling up his stuff like crazy recently too, just because like you know, if he keeps going, this his cards are just going to go up in value yeah. as well. So, literally putting my money where my mouth is there. Yeah, I noticed on your website you did have a, a listing of your top 2020 prospects and all that. So. If you mm-hmm. could, before you go, uh, tell us a little bit about your website. And I do have one quick question for you, and I'm sure you've been asked this a thousand times. But are the Rangers going to be players for Jack Eichel eventually? 
<laughs> um, they are, will be players for Jack Eichel. So Jeff Gordon is notorious for being a GM that kicks the tires on everything. Um, I, I've like gotten like a pretty decent relationship with the guys that run that Puckpedia site now. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, definitely do. It's like a cat friendly, but you know, and um, they do their agent poll and stuff. And I was chatting with them a bit. They were telling me that like a lot of the agents they've spoken to and a lot of the front office personnel they've spoken to say Jeff Gordon is, is just kind of like a pain in the ass with just how much he's constantly working the phones, trying to get an assessment of who's out there, who's available, what do other teams view his players are worth, things like that. Um, and yeah, from what I've been told, the Rangers have made the calls to Buffalo and asking like, Hey, what is the price here? I have no idea what they were told in response, but they're, they're definitely kicking the tires there for sure. Um, and, you know, Similar to the Kings, you know, the Rangers and the Kings have the two best prospect pipelines in, in the NHL. And, and so they certainly have the assets to get a deal done if they decide that's what they want to do. Um, and regarding what the website, yes, yeah, so Blue Shirts Breakaway is a, is a podcast first. Uh, Ryan and Greg are the hosts of it. And uh, they're the Rangers podcast now for The Athletic. But they've been, they were doing it solo for a while. Then The Athletic picked them up to be, you know, their podcast. And I've always, I've been like the main writer on the site for a few years now uh, since we launched the site. And I've really settled into my niche being kind of analytics and hockey prospects. So. Very cool. Very cool. Listen, we really appreciate you coming on and talking to us. And, uh, you know, the next time the Rangers and the Kings make a trade, you're more than welcome to come back on. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be happy to come back on. And thank you so much for having me. I, I had a good time. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you very All much, right. Drew. Awesome. Thanks, Drew. That was Drew Way from the BlueShirtBreakaway.com uh, and the Blue Shirt Breakaway podcast. Great guy. Real great yeah, that guy. Was, that was yeah. fun. Good info. Yeah, absolutely. Now, speaking of fun, we got a big game coming up tonight. All right, so it's a two-game uh, yeah, series I'm, I'm against ho- Vegas. I'm, I'm hoping that's a little bit of fun. <laughs> well, just think positive. Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so it's a two-game series from the Fortress in Vegas. Uh, so, Ryan, you put out a pretty good article on rinkroyalty.com about three things we need to watch for in this series. So if you want to start going over some of those points, let's uh, let's talk about them. Yeah, I don't know if it was good. It might have been mediocre at best. Um, but, yeah, I, put out uh, just kind of three things that I, I dug into. I looked into ahead of this series. Um, number one, I'm concerned about Alex Tuck. He's been awfully quiet in the four games that we've played this year. Um, just a couple of quick notes on him. He has 13 goals in 31 games. He's on pace to top his career high of 20 goals in 74 games during the 18-19 season. And oddly enough, the Kings are the only team in the West Division that he has yet to record a goal against. And <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I'm kind of looking at it even further right now. And eight eight of his shots were technically none of them are counted on net. So I'm just really I'm <laughs> speaking it into existence right now that he's going to score. <laughs> I, I just I have a bad feeling he's been. He's been quiet since March 13th, recording just one goal and an assist in seven games. Historically, he's done well against the Kings, three goals, seven points in 15 games. That's my first point. Um, So listen, before you go any further, Kings fans, when when talk does go crazy tonight, it's Ryan Sykes that said that, not us. (laughs) Yeah, at LAK underscore Ryan, which I will be uh, private. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I had to throw oh, that in. Oh, no, that's okay. I'll just ask you guys when the coast is clear. 
So the second thing I want to talk about was the LA Kings power play. It's been one of their strengths this year. It's going to have to be a strength in this series. Um, in the four previous meetings, the Kings have been outscored 14 to 10. They have two power play goals against Vegas in this series. And you guys want to take a guess who both goals have come from? Dustin Brown. Dustin Brown. Um, they're going to need to get Drew Doughty in on the action. Uh, Kopitar, I follow the, the whole lot. Um, thus far, uh, they're still ninth in the league with a 24.3 power play percentage. They went 0 for 7 in the Shark series. So, I mean, law of averages tells you they're due to bounce back. So that's my second point. I don't know if you guys want to comment on that. I'd love to see Gabe Velarde start getting fired up and using the power play to do so. Mm-hmm. Well, per Todd McClellan's comments today, he's out of the doghouse. He's back on second line centerman duties. So it's about time. Let's see Absolutely. how let's see how that goes. Uh, and my third and final point is Max Pacioretty. Excuse me, Max Pacioretty. Uh, can the Kings slow him down? The only game that the Kings have won this year, Pacioretty was out of the lineup. Um, he has two goals, four assists, and three games against LA this year. And uh, aside from missing his game against LA, he has four goals in his last five games overall. Um, so I, that's my priority number one is just limiting the damage from him. Yeah, to go yeah. into your uh, piece, I know that first part, Alex Tuck. I mean, he's just such a such a good player. I mean, I, I'm so envious they got him signed to the contract they did. I, I'm not sure how long it is, but to be get a player like that at only like just over four point five mil AAV, that's that's ridiculous value. And then, yeah, if we can limit uh, Max Pacioretty, it, it seems like those trade uh, rumors before the season kind of lit a fire under his ass a little bit. Um, <laughs> I think we'll I think we'll be okay. I'm, I'm anxious to see how they uh, line up. I know there's been some uh, questions about the lineup changes. It sounds like Strand's going to be in in place of McDermott, so we could see uh, Walker switch over to the left side and on that third pairing. Um, and I, and also anxious to see who who's in net and how how they go with that. See if they can start with Quickie tonight and go Peterson next, or Peterson and then Quickie, or even maybe get Peterson both games. So both games. see what happens. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's that's the whole thing. And you know, the the thing that always amazes me about Vegas is they do all this without a legit number one center. I know mm-hmm. it's incredible. I mean, when you know, William Carlson's a is a good center, but I mean, he's a good two C or three C, right? And the same thing can be said for Chandler Stevenson. But they they're able to pull this off without having a legitimate number one center, and then you get it just tells you about the strength of their wings, really. You know, I was going to say they're just getting contributions from all over their lineup. You know, uh, they're. Uh, I would love to see them play Colorado in the playoffs. I really would. Yeah. That would be a good I mean, series. Colorado. I mean, yeah. Sorry, Russell, just real quick. Colorado is scary right now. They are, they're clicking. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the team that everybody kind of pegged. I mean, that was my Stanley Cup pick uh, before the year started. But I mean, the Vegas and Golden Knights and Colorado Avalanche are definitely probably the top two teams in the division right now. Um, it's not a surprise to anybody. I mean, with Colorado's depth that they have on their back end. And um, now with uh, the Golden Knights getting possibly getting Petrangelo back tonight, that's those are going to be two scary teams to watch. So anytime the Kings can play, or anytime the Kings play those t- those two teams and they can steal points any way they can is is a win. I mean, with the way the Blues are playing and they're kind of on the downfall right now, it's they're, they're leaving the door open. I mean, right now the Blue, Blues are only a point ahead of the Coyotes, and we're only a couple points behind them. So. Um, any points that we can steal, especially in Vegas, is just a win. So mm-hmm. even an overtime loss, I'll take um, 
two two out of four would be a definite win um, with these two two uh, two game stretch. So hopefully, fingers crossed. Well, the thing you got to remember too is we got three games in hand on both the Coyotes and the Blues. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's it's certainly not over yet by by any stretch of the imagination. But they're gonna have to they're gonna have to at least get a split out of this Vegas series. And you got San Jose coming up again after that. And guess what? They found out what happens when you take those, you know, the teams that are below you in the standings. Light, I don't I don't even want to say they took them lightly, but you got to play better than that against teams that you have to beat. Yeah, the Kings have always been the type of team that would just play play up or down to their competition. It seems like it's it's strange, especially this season, more or less. I mean, we've only had one real clear like game where they kind of dominated throughout the game, and that was that second Ducks Ducks game in Anaheim. Yeah. Um, but besides that, I mean, this, those past two games against the Sharks, that was just disappointing. Um, but I mean, with the with the, we kind of got away from the Wild. Now we don't really have to see them anymore. So now with, with the amount of games we got left against the Coyotes, Sharks, and the Ducks, there's there's wind, the windows open, and we kind of ha- we have it in and it's, and it's it's in the Kings' hands. So if they can kind of like I mentioned, if they can steal points against. The Golden Knights and against teams like Avalanche that are playing hot right now, it's it'll it bodes well for the playoff aspirations. Well, the Kings just don't want to look back on that San Jose series and wonder, you know, what if, uh, what if we had at least split this series? Would we have made the playoffs? Um, and you know, the first game, I think the Kings shot, outshot them forty-six to eighteen or something like that. And we talked about it with Patrick uh, a couple of episodes ago. You know. The analytics analytics don't always back up the the on ice play, um, but you know <laughs> you go into the following game of that series and uh, I can't remember if the did the Kings go down two nothing when they came back. I believe it was. I think yeah. so. I'm getting my scores mixed up, but the the point is, it's still frustrating to come out of that series without without a point. Yeah, and to make Martin Jones look like a Vezina Trophy. I know. Player. I know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you yeah. play your your second best center on the fourth line wing, it's going to be tough to right. make anything happen. But it sounds like now we got the roster. I mean, all the Kings Twitter is going to be happy with how it sounds going to be lined up tonight with McDermott coming out and Strand getting a game, and, or ho- who knows with how well, <laughs> this, this season's hey, let's, been. Let's see how happy uh, Kings Twitter is after the game. Plus, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, and that's the and that's the thing is like this season. I've I've always thought with this season, it's just it's all about development. And I always had playoffs in the back of my mind. I mean, if they're able to get young kids on the roster playing NHL games and they miss the playoffs, that's totally fine. I'm totally fine with that. We that's we're still in those development stages. Um, so when they're not doing that, that's when questions come into play. When you start playing more players, then you sure. you sit Bjorn Foot for McDermott or sit like send Vlardy to right wing four. It's like okay, now what's going on? Um, I don't know. It's yeah. now that we kind of have Strand coming in. He looked great, and I think I looked back at he has the highest expected goals for rate on the team, um, and it is just a small sample size. But that he was playing great, and mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to those crisp, uh, smooth uh, breakout passes, breaking yeah. some sticks. Yeah, little do we know that Sean is Sean Walker's coming out of the lineup and uh, Strand and McDermott staying in. Of course, yeah, of course, that makes sense. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's nothing official. I'm just. Checking, oh. <laughs> it, would be, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. But seriously, though, uh, I get that Todd's trying to send a message to Gabe Velarde that he needs to play better. But I mean, is not solely responsible for the the 
losing against the Sharks, but I think it played a factor in, in him playing on the bottom line on the wing with Blake Lazat. Right. Yeah, it just, I mean, just, and that's it. Yeah, go ahead, Scott. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, the Flaherty's, listen, his game is passing, right? He's got a wicked wrist shot, but he's a pass-first kind of guy. And you can't put a pass-first kind of guy on the wing on the fourth line. Mm-hmm. You you got to let him get through what it is that he's trying to to battle. I, I don't think he's got a nagging injury or anything like that. He's a young player. He's going to have growing pains, right? So I think that, you know, and, and believe me, I think Coach McCollum's overall done a great job this season. But I think sometimes you, you got to kind of lay off a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. not not saying you, you don't have to, you, you know, beyond your players and all that, because you, you got to do that, too. But to continually do that to Velarde, it's kind of like, OK, you made your point. All right. Now, put the kid back to where he was and let's see what he can do. I mean, you, you got to just accept that there's going to be growing pains and there is going to be a bump in the road every once in a while. So. Yep. No, I completely agree. So, so anyways, guys, uh, there was some news a couple hours ago that the, uh, <clears throat> the Kings have made another trade. This time, uh, <laughs> Michael Amadio is now out the door. And in return from the Ottawa Senators, we got uh, Christian Wolanin. I do believe his father played in the NHL. He was yep. uh, played for the New Jersey Devils and the Quebec Nordiques. I know that. Um, almost like a, an AHL minor league deal, really. But you know what? I like this deal. I do because Amadio... Let's face it, he had fallen out of favor. He wasn't going to pretty much get any more playing time with the Kings. He was going to be in Ontario. And truthfully, well, Anna does have some NHL experience. He played 15 games with the Senators this year in Ottawa, not Belleville. And you know what? It never hurts to have an NHL experienced defenseman waiting in the wings just in case. Especially on the left side. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, when the news officially broke, I think the first thing I messaged you guys was, Amadio had trade value. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but well, you watched the, he cleared waivers, so <laughs> yeah, you watched the last two um, Ontario Rain games, and he's like the definition of like the the uh, he's too good for the AHL, but he's not good enough for the NHL. You know, uh, Coach Robleski was just singing his praises, but. <laughs> You know, it's like, well, if you call him back up, we know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you kind of, you kind of know what to expect from Amadio. But like you mentioned, it was, it's, it's good to get that type of value. I mean, Kings fans all knew, or Kings manager probably even too. They, they already knew what they're going to get out of Amadio whenever he's in the lineup. Not, not much production. I mean, he's not, he's not too terrible. But there's nothing really going to go on when he's on the ice. So, in order, when they place him on waivers, it's like, oh. He was probably going to end up going to the AHL. Maybe someone claims him. But when he went right. down to the AHL and he played that uh, last game for the rain, he actually looked pretty good. So that was yeah. surprising to see. And the fact that they were able to flip him for Christian Willane, and it's, it's – from what I see, Christian I – don't, I, don't, I don't know much about his game. from, But from what I heard, from what I've read and the stats I looked up, he's got some pretty decent production in terms of uh, offensively um, when it comes to analytics. So – I'm not sure if this is the type of that dynamic left shot D that they were look, mentioning, but uh, it's, it's, see, I mean, when you can flip a Mario for a player like that, who knows? Maybe, maybe get some upside out of him. Maybe slide, maybe, I'm not sure he's going to get some NHL games this year, uh, but who knows with, with all the roster changes going on throughout the season. Yeah. And I mean, you touched on it, but I think this is primarily an AHL move right now. The Ontario Reign have allowed 82 goals on the season, which is easily the, the most in the the AHL, not just the Pacific Division, but just the AHL in, in 
entirety. But uh, Russell, you also noted uh, 1819 season with the Belleville, Belleville Senators, excuse me, the seven goals, 24 assists. I mean, mm-hmm. I, if you can get back to that kind of production, I think you'd take that if you're John Robleski. I'd yeah, take and I that think, if you're Todd McClellan, too. <laughs> yeah, I think I think what's what's kind of interesting here is that this opens up a spot for to bring up an Austin Strand or a Kale Clegg. So now you have you don't you don't have too much of a defensive liability on yeah. Terra Rain. You can slot in Willanen, and now you have the chance to bring up Clegg and get him to the NHL again or Strand. And, and now we see Brickley even on the NHL or a taxi squad. So maybe sure. even he gets a game. So um, I think more defensive help for the Rain isn't a bad thing with how that team's playing. <laughs> I know so, when when Clegg was up here, when Bjork uh, was up here, and McDermott was a healthy scratch, the Rain were just uh, they they were allowing goals, you know, just left and right. So mm-hmm. obviously, the, I think that's why they sent Clegg back down, obviously to get some uh, additional development. Um, but having him being a plus defender back there always helps. Yeah, and he's yeah. looked pretty good too. I mean, he had that yeah. OT winner the other day. Um, mm-hmm. I yeah, think he's, he's kind of he's kind of proven himself, and he's kind of nudging himself up to the to management saying, Hey, I'm ready to get called back up again. So he played well when, when he was paired with Clegg or not with Clegg, when he was played, paired with Roy. Yeah. Um, I think they had the, one of the best defensive pairings in terms of uh, expected goal rate when they were paired together. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember if they were paired together during the six game win streak, but um, I'm pretty sure he was on the team at that time. So um, I think to get Clegg back up here, kind of fast track him. Um, would be kind of cool. So I want to see more games out of that second rounder. Well, and they got to get him back up too because they got till the end of the season to decide what they want to do with him, right? right. You know, he's either going to be left unprotected in the, the expansion draft or he's going to need another contract. It's, you know. Yeah, that'll be a tough player to lose in the expansion draft. I think, I mean, with the way Leah Anderson's playing too, that's going to be another tough one to. The expansion draft right. is definitely going to be on the back of all GM's minds when it comes to April 12th, um, the trade deadline. So. It'll be interesting. Got a lot, a lot of, I think a lot more uh, roster moves are going to be happening, even with the Kings going forward. I don't think anything major, but with the IFL talk and now the Flyers seem to be in desperate need of some goaltending. Who knows? Maybe they call, uh, they call Blakey up and see if you quick he's available. Yeah, I'll tell you, I don't, I don't think Rob Blake's done just yet. Like he, I, I agree with you, Russ. I don't know about a major move, but he, he's not done. I, I think the band's just getting warmed up. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, maybe we'll have some more trade news by the time we uh, do the next podcast. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and just for the listeners, uh, we got Zach Dooley from LA Kings Insider coming on on Thursday. So we can kind of touch on the Brendan Lemieux trade and also the Michael Amadio trade a little yeah, bit more. Definitely. We'll get a tweet out there to see if there's any uh, listener questions or, yeah, listener questions for for Zach as well. So mm-hmm. good stuff. Good stuff. Well, all right, guys. Well, we're uh, getting close to game time here. So why don't we wrap this up uh, so we can go reload our beverages and get ready. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so, so anyways, we want to thank uh, Drew Way once again from uh, Blue Shirt Breakaway for coming on. He was a great guest. Great fun to talk about some Rangers with him. And uh, we're going to go watch our Vegas Golden – or LA Kings play the Vegas Golden Knights. Pardon <laughs> me. Blasphemy. Blasphemy. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, we're going to wrap it up. So, for Ryan Sykes, for Russell Morgan, I'm Scott Kimville. Thanks for listening, and go Kings go. Go Kings go.